It is Wednesday, which means we get to chat to Dr. Carl. He is our Australian science communicator. Dr. Carl, a very good morning. How are you? Very well, Dr. Howard. Ever so peachy keen. So uh, I want to talk about wine. I want to talk about the fact that we are getting closer to understanding the true origins of this beverage. Yeah, it's a little bit hard because as we humans evolved our way through different forms of wine, wine grapes, mm-hmm. we didn't hang on to the old ones. We just chucked them away. We threw them away. We didn't want them anymore because they weren't that good. So that makes it a little bit difficult. And what we're looking at is a combination of about 2,500 grapes used either for table or wine, either eating the grapes or drinking them as wine, and 1,000 wild grapevines. And so by looking at the DNA and the history of the planet, we've worked out that about 300,000 years ago, while we're in the depths of another ice age, um, grapes grew naturally across all of Asia, Europe, all the way from Spain, across through the Middle East and into China. Roughly 200,000 years ago, the ones in the middle around the central Mediterranean Sea got killed mm-hmm. by the climate. And then about 11,000 years ago, Humans in Western Asia, not in Europe, but in Western Asia, started domesticating the table grapes. And then we started doing the wine grapes uh, for wine about two, three thousand years later. So about 10,000 years late, yeah. about 10,000 years ago in the Caucasus uh, and also in Europe, we started doing wines. And here we are today with all these half dozen or so different varietals that we have today. So, so is there a difference between what you've called a table grape and a wine grape? Apparently. I know I'm not a vintner or mm. an oneologist. I think that's how, what it is, an O-E-N-O-L-I, oneologist, O-L-O-G-I-S-T. But in this particular case, they've broken up the wines into uh, five categories or six. Mm. The East Caucasus group, the Western group, the Eastern group, which are wild, the Western group, which are wild, the Western Asian group, the Muscat group, the Balkan group, the Iberian group, and finally the West European group. And there's, say, maybe nine of these different groups geologically uh, or, or geographically, and they've sort of combined over the years to give us what we have today. And more recently, of course, people have gone around the world carrying superior vines with them from where they started to where they finished. So apparently a ship came from, I think, South Africa, mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of people landed uh, in the Barossa Valley and in Victoria, in South Australia and Western Australia. So there's a whole bunch of African people about one and a half centuries ago who came and brought winemaking here to Australia. Absolutely amazing. Let's uh, continue our conversation about vaping because it is a very, very important one. And we were getting through a lot of very interesting information the last time we spoke, but uh, didn't quite com- uh, get to uh, get to complete that. Uh, can we just talk more a little bit about vaping in terms of, uh, you know, a vegan? Uh, is a V for vaping and vegan? Does, does, does this make does this make vaping pure? In a way. Yeah. So I've been looking at vaping for a long time. And over the last decade, I've been basically saying we haven't got the side effects happening yet because mm-hmm. they're basically long term 
as in tobacco, and we did point out that they've got an addictive drug in them, nicotine, but I was saying that the effects are long-term, and now we've suddenly started getting the short-term effects. So there's a wonderful podcast on this, Science Versus, with Wendy Zuckerman. Mm -hmm. So starting off at number one, just because vaping and vegan begin with the letter V, Right. doesn't mean that it's pure. No, no, it's bad. We are already seeing about one year after people start vaping, right. you can see short-term, that's one year, respiratory system. And they have a cough and a wheeze and upper respiratory tract infections. And firstly, it's more frequent in vapors than non-vapors. And secondly, the more they vape, the worse the effects are, and we can see this within one year of them starting. And what they say is, oh, I've always had a cough. What about your friend over there? They don't have a cough and they don't vape. Oh, yeah, well, they've never had a cough. And then they'll say, but you never used to cough until you started vaping, but you don't recognize it. So that's one problem that we've already proven the short-term effects. This has only come through in the last year or so. Another factor is that there are some chemicals that are fine to eat, like diacetyl, and diacetyl is what they add to popcorn to give it a smooth, buttery feel, and it's wonderful to eat. It tastes nice, and your gut handles it, no problems. It's added to tobacco, to, to the vapes, to give them a different flavor, and they are disastrous and lead, in some cases, to people needing lung transplants. Now, here's another thing. Mm-hmm. The flavors, they have all sorts of flavors, and the flavor of cinnamon... Uh, and, and this is just typical. There's a hundred chemicals like I mentioned, but the flavour of cinnamon comes from a chemical called cinnamaldehyde. Okay. Right. Now, here's here's three things about this chemical. Firstly, if you just get this chemical and you put it on a plastic dish, it'll eat through the plastic in an hour or so. What? Now, this chemical will eat through plastic, and yet people are breathing it into their lungs because it happens to have a flavour in your mouth like cinnamon. Secondly, it causes disruption and damage of the cilia, the little hairs in your airways that get the muck that goes into your lungs and brings it up and then you cough it out because once stuff goes into your lungs, it stays there in general. You know, unlike if you eat it, it comes out the other end. So it interferes with your coughing and sneezing reflex. But thirdly, they found, and this is kind of backwards, Suppose you get some immune system, you get a, a culture dish, you know, like, like a round culture dish, and you put some bacteria in it, and you give them some sugar, they grow happily. And then you put some human immune cells in there, and they go and kill the bacteria. That normally happens first. And then, if you add some of this cinnamaldehyde chemical, mm. it kills the immune system cells, and the bacteria just stay there. Now, that, the normal way of testing a chemical this is then fed to humans, is you test it like this, like I've described, in a laboratory dish, and if it does what I just described, there's no way you're going to put it in any human use. However, here, because the people making the vapes are totally unlicensed, and all they care is that you buy it, they've uh, not done the testing, and this will do bad things, the cinnamon flavour, to your immune system, to your cilia, and if it can corrode plastic, God knows what else it could do. And it's still there now. And then finally, to finish off with the vaping thing on nicotine, nicotine has invisible long-term effects and short-term effects. So the uh, high blood pressure. So nicotine causes high blood pressure, and you don't know you've got it, but 20 years down the line, suddenly your kidneys have gone to lunch. And also nicotine 
is definitely linked, both in vaping and in smoking, with depression. The more nicotine you have, either vaping or smoking, the more your chances of depression. And yet these things are sold near schools and they're deliberately packaged to look like lollies or in some cases like highlighter pens, specifically to look like the highlighter marking pens. So if the kids have it on their desk, the teacher thinks, oh, they've just got a highlighter pen and they don't realize they've got a vaping stick. Absolutely incredible. We do need to leave it there. Dr. Carl, thank you. As always, very, very frightening. Uh, Talking about vaping, uh, we have been doing that uh, just to try and raise the summer awareness as well.